Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. Like the Leandro said, I am Richard Bliss, and I am the host today. And my guest today is bringing uh, something kind of unique. Uh, his name is John Covey. John is uh, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Richard. Glad yeah, to be here. I was just going to give a little bit of background of of who you are. Um, you, sure. You um, you majored in chemi- chemical engineering, but you are licensed as a civil engineer. You uh, let's see. I think you said you've done. 18-month tour in Iraq as a military police attached to the 101st. Um, got back. When did you say you got back? 2010? Is that when you said you got back? Um, actually, uh, 2009. 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're married. You have a beautiful eight-month-old little girl. And uh, you do statistics, right? Yes. <laughs> That's one way of saying it. You do statistics. You, and, and that's the reason we're going to talk about We're going to talk about um, this. The topic here is that basically six uh, critical Kickstarter statistics that we're going to talk about and the impact that they seem to have on a campaign. And this is something that you've been doing on your own in basically on your research. It's kind of some of the stuff that you've done. I think in the past you were saying that you've done some uh, biostatistics, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about the, the concept of statistics and, and what the purpose here is of, of collecting and analyzing the data that we're going to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, I'd love to. First off, thank you for that that very warm introduction. I, I feel like you kind of know my whole backstory now. I, I wasn't expecting all the details, but, but, um, but, but I like it. So, okay, statistics. Now, this is kind of a rough beast, and, and, and I have to say I'm, I'm almost a little intimidated by the topic and by discussing this because um, a lot of people come to the table with, with preconceived notions of what, um, of what statistics um, is meant for and what it is capable of saying or proving uh, and what it's not capable of saying and proving. And a lot of, a, a lot of it is misconception. So um, I like to – like to use this one quote by a guy named George Canning. He said, I can prove anything by using statistics except the truth. And so it's kind of just a funny little, funny little way of saying um, that statistics are very useful. However, um, they, it can be dangerous to use them to try and prove something or predict something. But a little bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we, um, you know, why else would we be using them if we weren't expecting to get some kind of, of in, information right. or, yeah, insight or support in some way? Well, you know, today's day and age, uh, big data is talked about across the industry. I happen to work in a company that deals with a lot of big data um, that, you know, they're starting to talk about ex- petabytes and exabytes of data. And that's oh. one of the things, right? That's a lot of data. Um, and then right. what you're trying to do, though, yes, you're trying to find pred- patterns, and it's becoming a part of the science of predictive analysis. Based on past patterns, you should be able to predict the future um, to some kind of degree. Now, it's interesting. I watched a, a movie that I really enjoyed in the theaters. It just came out on DVD yesterday. Uh, I you know, watched it uh, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Live, Die, oh, Repeat. You know that awesome movie, right? Awesome, awesome movie with uh, with uh, what's his name, Tom Cruise. Yes, right. And there, 
okay, they predicted the future because they kept living it over and over and over. And I guess in some ways, um, that's kind of what it's like when you take data uh, over and over and over again. Another side story, and that is, um, got in a car accident yesterday. You and I were talking about that. I was on the phone <laughs> with the insurance folks, the opposite person's insurance. And uh, as she's talking to me, I asked her, how are you going? The police officer couldn't determine fault. It was obviously his fault. Uh, but the police officer couldn't determine that. And I asked her, how, do you, how are you going to figure out who's at fault? And it was interesting what she said. She said, well, you know, for you, because I haven't had a car accident in 36 years, she said, for you, it's a you know, traumatic, one-time, unique experience. She said, trust me, every day I look at car accidents. I, she said, I drive down the street now looking at traffic flow patterns, and I come upon an accident, and I start analyzing it. And because she, she said, based on the past, what has happened in the past, with other car accidents, with other things, I'm able to see and start to put together. That's what my job is, is to just look at all these different things. And, and these are kind of, kind of some side stories here. You know, we can do the Tom Cruise thing and repeat it every day and see it. Or in some ways, you know, a person who looks at the same type of data over and over starts to find some patterns that are there. And I thought that's kind of where we're coming from here, isn't it, with the statistics? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a very um, realistic quality analogy to use. Okay, so let's talk about we got six six statistics that you have kind of started to identify, and and we'll admit this is kind of early in the analysis of this data because you've been doing this for a fairly short time. But what are those? Right. Let, let's talk about those six in the in the time that we have. Okay, um, so the first one, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to try and pull out some some critical uh, variables that, that we see success rates really differ or vary upon. And there were, there were six that were really interesting to me because it seemed like um, these six had a pretty big influence on the success rates. Now, we can um, – I think we talked about this just a little bit ago, Richard, but if you've got a great project um, and you're going to fund anyway, it's – I'm not sure – or if these things really um, make that big of an impact, whether you launch on this day or that day, um, I think it'll have some kind of impact. But again, you know, it's it's I don't think it's the job of statistics to to prove that. Um, but what we want to do is we want to point out these six things that we really see do in, influence success rates across the board or, or in general. So the okay. first one is um, the month, the month that you launch your project in the month that you end your project. So um, what the what this, this, these statistics show is that the month of August in particular, ending a project in August, it has a significantly lower success rate um, compared to ending a project in, say, February, March, uh, May, or, or even in, in any of the other months. Um, so just to give you some hard numbers here, uh, uh, on average, tabletop game um, success rates are right around 49% for the months of February, March, and May. And then that drops down to 28% in, in the month of August. Okay, hang on. Then, okay, so we're talking specifically about one category. But you're saying, right. just to make sure I understand, you're saying that successfully funding – you're right about halfway, 50% of the time you successfully fund if your campaign ends in February, March, or May. But if your campaign ends in August, you got – no, hang on. Projects that end in August tend to only fund 28% of the time. 
Exactly. Yeah, so we got to be careful how we word that. It's not because yes. you ended in August. It's just that projects that do end in August have trend down to 28%. Okay, well, that, I think I have some ideas of why. A uh, <laughs> lot of cons going on, a lot of people distracted in that particular category. It would be fascinating to start to look at other categories and see how that plays out. Okay, okay. That's a, that's a now, great one. All right. Now, one of the things to note about that is in the um, – according to the data that I have, over the life of Kickstarter, this data was, was taken in, um, Jul- or in August of this year, of August of 2014. There have been 402 tabletop Kickstarter projects that ended in the month of August, and um, second to that is 381 in the month of May, and then 364. So, so you have a lot of competition as far as projects ending in August. Um, and I've, I've gone into a lot more detail on my blog about this. Um, so you can kind of read up on, on the details of how I collected this data, what I'm doing with it, the analysis I'm performing, okay. and, and a couple more of my personal uh, interpretations of this. However, that's probably... No, oh, I lost you just for a second there. It's going to get me in trouble, but I, but I threw it up there anyway. Okay, so we, we lost you just for a second there, but I think I think we got it. I'm looking at what you just said: August 402, May 381. That's only a diff- That's a difference of less than what is that? That's about five percent difference in the number of projects. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, I, and I think that's something that's really interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what to conclude from that, but I think it's clearly obvious that the success rates in August. Are are much lower, despite the fact that you've got roughly the same amount of numbers ending that those two months. Also, just so people know, when I first t- started taking the statistics back in 2011, it was just the opposite. Um, there were projects that zero projects, I think, funded in March of 2011, zero. And the biggest month uh, leading up to that point was August. August was one of the biggest months, but that has now flipped. I think as the as the market has matured. Okay, item number two. Okay, item number two is the day of the week. Um, so according to these statistics, Friday is a terrible day to end on. Um, the, the success rates don't drop as much as they do when you look at the month, so for August. But um, what we see is on Tuesdays, ending your project on a Tuesday – tabletop games across the board since the beginning of Kickstarter, you've got roughly a 47.9% success rate. And then projects that end on a Friday have a 38.2%. Still, that's uh, that's a... a, I mean, it's a full 10% drop. Yeah. Is it 10% or is it 25%? Oh, I'm sorry. Total between, um, between 47 and between 38. But yeah, it's, it's, essentially a, a quarter right yeah, a quarter uh, a quarter of the success rate okay now that's interesting because i would have found a saturday or sunday being the most successful but you're saying tuesday is the most successful friday being the worst yeah and and that so um saturday's rate of success ending on a saturday is actually a little bit lower than a sunday huh and then across the board monday wednesday thursday saturday Saturday, Sunday, there's really not that much of a difference. We're talking 42, 43, and 44% across all those days. Interesting. On Tuesday, it jumps up to roughly 48%, and on Friday, it jumps down to 38%. Don't end on a Friday. That's what we're saying. Right. All right. But, and, and but that, we're not predicting anything. No, right? but <laughs> we can look at and say, why would Friday not do as well? Well, it's Friday. 
People aren't paying attention. People are leaving work early. Uh, people, there's all kinds of distractions. So just the same reason that August is a bad month, Friday is a bad day. Okay, that works. Number three. Okay, number three is a project video. And everyone knows this. It's pretty clear. Um, projects that have a video, have a f- uh, they have successfully funded 44.6% of the time. And projects without a video have successfully funded 36.1% of the time. So you've got a pretty significant drop there. Um, you do. Uh, one take I'm going to have on this one is, is that I believe that people who put up a project without a video probably aren't as well organized and prepared as somebody who does have a video. I would actually argue that in this case you could almost take, take the stance that it's not the quality of the video or the fact the video is even there, but the video being there is indicative of proper prep, more preparation than somebody who didn't put a video up. Absolutely. That's what I would think from that. Although the video very much could help. I know Kickstarter is always saying, hey, put that video up because it makes a huge difference. It, uh, it might. It might. Although I, you know, I've seen plenty of projects fund without a video. But, yeah, put your, put your video up there. Okay? That's a great right. one. Right. So that was the third. Um, number four is, is similar to that. It's about the video length. So what, what I see from my data um, – I dissected video length down into 30-minute, or sorry, 30-second sections. After looking at the data, there wasn't much of a difference between a 30-second, under 30 seconds and under one minute. Your projects that have a video right around 30 seconds or under one minute succeed about 40% of the time. Now, if you have a video that's one minute to two minutes, it's about a 50% success rate in those categories. And then um, a video between two and three minutes, it jumps down to 45%. And then it just gradually starts jumping down a, a percentage or two each additional two minutes. And then if you have a video over six minutes, you jump down to 37%. So yeah. it's, it's pretty clear that in between one and two minutes, um, is those, those projects have the highest success rates. And then two to three minutes, it's still high, but, but it's not as high from a one to two perspective. Yeah, and my comeback on this one would be I, I, this one is just the opposite of what I had just said, and that is a one- to two-minute video is enough time for somebody to say, oh, I'll watch, and you actually then get them to take the next step of commitment along the, the buyer's journey. Um, as you've moved them a little closer, now they're participating in your video. It doesn't even matter how long. It does matter, but at this point, for a statistical sp- standpoint, the fact that they clicked on the video has moved them out of one category of potential backer into a much closer category. So I like that one. And I tell people 90 seconds. That's what you should be gunning for is 90 seconds. Yeah, and I think the data supports that. Yeah, I like that one. Okay, perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a longer video. I always tell people if you're going to have a longer video, break it up. Your first video should not convey any kind of information that people need to remember because they're not watching it to actually gather data they're watching it to gather emotional opinion about the project itself so make it personal that's why i say video should be personal artwork should be professional so you can use your iphone and stand there in your chat you know bath bath towel and do your best you know do a what is that uh the smell like a man Irish, not Irish Spring. Um, the oh, old old spice. Old that... spice. There right. you go. Where was I going with that? Old spice. Do your old spice impersonation. It doesn't matter, right? Just there you go. Get that video. Okay, number five. 
Okay, number five is connecting your Facebook page to your Kickstarter page. This is interesting. Yeah, I think this is huge. Okay, so when I ran the numbers on this, what I found out is that um, there's there's an enormous relationship between the number of Facebook friends you have and the rate of success. So it, it, it increases at, uh, um, on, a, on a very obvious rate. So in between one friend and 50 friends, Facebook friends, you're at right around a 15.8% success rate. Oh so my six, gosh. 16%. Yeah. And um, I, so I feel a little unprepared. I, di- I don't have the statistics that show the overall difference between projects that connect the Facebook page to the ones that don't. I remember, if I remember it correctly, and I'll post this on my blog so you can go and check it out there, um, but I think it's about a 36% um, or no, 26% if you don't have the Facebook connected, and then it jumps up to almost a 40, low 40s if you do have your Facebook page connected. All right, so now, okay, now well, with the friends, yep. so you've got a 16% um, success rate between 1 and 50 Facebook friends, between 50 and 100, that jumps up to a 27%. Between 100 and 200 Facebook friends, it jumps to 36%. 200 and 400 Facebook friends, it jumps to 44%. 400 and 800 Facebook friends, it jumps to 53%. And then if you have 800 to 1,600 Facebook friends, it jumps up to 56%. Wow. Wow. Now, because that's far above the average of you know the average success rate of Kickstarter projects. Yeah, yeah, isn't that really interesting? And I think it I think it says um a little bit about not just the level of trust that that you have when you actually attach your Facebook page to your Kickstarter page, but but a little bit about your your sphere of influence. Yeah. Cuz one one of the things that I've been trying to do which is really really difficult, people have asked me, "Can you figure out if success rates depend upon the pre-campaign buzz. And my first response is, what kind of metric exists to identify a pre-campaign buzz? You know, we could go with Facebook likes and Twitter likes, but th- those aren't the types of things you can find on a Kickstarter page itself. Um, so it's, it would require a lot of work to go back and retrieve that information if people weren't um, making it available themselves. But what we have here is sort of a proxy for that, right? The number of Facebook friends you have tells you just a little bit, not exactly, but it tells you just a little bit about the kind of influence you have outside of the Kickstarter page. And what we see is a very clear increase in success rates depending upon the number of Facebook friends you have. That's awesome. What's our, we're about out of time. What's our last one? Okay, our last one is back other projects. It is um, incredibly clear that um, the number of projects a project has backed increases or that project creator has backed that that amount increases at this almost the same rate as the success rates increase so so if a project creator has backed one to five projects the, it's right around a 27 percent um, success rate six to ten projects backed it jumps up to 48 percent right away um, and then 11 to 25 projects backed it jumps up to 52 percent 26 to 50 projects backed, it jumps up to 64%. Holy 50, cow. Yeah, 51, now get this, 51 to 100, it jumps up to 66%. And, uh, and 100 to 200 projects backed, it jumps up to 72%. Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah. That, that's a huge number. That is almost double the success rate 
of what an average Kickstarter campaign is, 40 some odd cent, uh, no, not almost double. Still, that's way, way, that's huge. Right. That's huge. This, John, this has been great data. Tell us again where people can go and find this content. Okay, you can go to gotgeniusgames.com, G-O-T and then geniusgames.com. You can also just type into Google Kickstarter Statistics 101. That's the blog name or title of the blog that I've given it. So Kickstarter to Statistics 101 or gotgeniusgames.com, and you should be able to find all this information. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great data and uh, information. I appreciate the work you've been doing. Hey, thanks, Richard. I had a good time. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been John Covey with Got Genius Games. He's done some great statistical analysis. Go take a look. 